0: Welcome to our Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them, and what tips they've for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Ruth Mortimer, who is the global president at Advertising Week. And Ruth has had a distinguished career in media and journalism. Ruth also previously came to one of our summits too. Thanks for joining me today, Ruth. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Sure. So I started off in what might not have been a very
1: conventional way. I actually started as an archaeologist. Oh. So I was really into discovering things. I think my biggest personality trait is I'm really curious. I'm super nosy. I always want to know what's going on. And so I was really curious about the past. So I actually started out as an archaeologist and I worked doing that um, for a couple of years in the Middle East. I really loved it. But after a while, I was kind of interested in what kind of stories I could tell sort of more in daily life as well. So I retrained as a journalist um, and after writing about lots of different things, finance, politics, I ended up writing about business and creativity and marketing and advertising. And I found this was a topic that really interested me because it was basically on the kind of edge of culture and business. So it was sort of what was making the world go round.
0: Yeah. Um, and then
1: from there, I ended up doing more and more different types of content, really. So whether it was um, writing in magazines in print magazines, websites um, training for people, whether it was events. And all those things took me to my role now at Advertising Week, which is really about um, building a content-led business through things like events, through media, and through um, podcasts, actually, is one of the things we do. Um, And everything is about trying to help people be as good as possible at their jobs through inspiring them and educating them.
0: Yeah. So when you were at school, did you know what you wanted to do or be? Or did that happen maybe more later in life?
1: Well, I always knew I really loved things that made me think. So I was always a really curious person and I loved writing and stories. So I thought maybe writing would play a role in my future. But also, I really hated being defined by people and put in a box. Okay. And because I was good at English, everyone kept saying, oh, you're really good at English. You'll definitely do this at university. And it kind of drove me mad that people kept telling me what I would do. And it's, in fact, one of the reasons I ended up choosing archaeology is I went along to an open day at university and heard about it. And I thought, this sounds really interesting. And Do I want to do the thing that everybody thinks I will do? Or maybe I should try something that interests me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think really that I'm still not sure what I want to do with my career. I think actually my career is really about just finding out.
0: So oh, I know that you went to Manchester University, um, but how important do you think it actually is to go to university since there are loads of graduate and apprenticeship schemes throughout loads of different com- companies and industries?
1: I don't think it's essential to go to university to be someone who can do a great job. I think there's loads of different routes in life. and. Um, you know, there's loads of different options. I think to me, university was a really useful life experience. I met people from lots of different backgrounds. I learned to live away from home, pay bills, um, get up in the morning. But also it was really valuable for me because I think I really believe education is worthwhile just for itself. I think there's a real value in learning. Not everything should be about getting a job. And I think at the moment, because university, you have to pay for it. There's so much about how has to get you a job and which degree courses will get you a job but I think for me one of the most important things I learned in university was the skill of relating to people and arguing with people a lot of our classes were about when somebody has a really different view to them how can you view to you how can you change their mind or how can you relate to them and actually that's a really useful life skill that goes beyond work But I do think that this is a time where people are very worried about money, lots of people. And it can sound really privileged to say you should just be able to go to university for um, the sake of education. And that's why I really think actually education should be free. I was lucky that I had a grant of around £1,600 when Mm -hmm. I went to university because my my mum was on benefits. And that was a reason I was able to go to university and enjoy learning how to argue with people, learning things that have served me well in my career. So I think I think that's something really important.
0: So earlier you mentioned that you um, were an archaeologist for a couple of years. Haven't heard many people tell me that on these podcast series. Um, But during your time as an archaeologist, did you find anything interesting? And are there any traits that you got from archaeology that help you now in journalism?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the best parts of archaeology was that you you have something there in front of you, a kind of visual, physical record, that you don't have any, you don't necessarily have any explanation of what it means. So particularly things like prehistory where there's no writing, there's no explanation of what's going on. And so you have to fill in the gaps and weave a story and come up with ideas and use your imagination. And mm. I think that's something that as I have moved into, um, I guess, creative industries like marketing and advertising, that ability to build a story around anything has been really valuable.
0: Now, in this day and age, there's a lot of talk about pay quality quite generally. Um, How well do you think women are catching up with men's salaries and getting those top jobs, maybe especially in journalism?
1: So I think think equality is moving far too slowly. So one of the things that happened to me during the pandemic was I think over my career, I felt a lot like, okay, this is changing, I can see it changing, that's good, step by step. And I think during that period of the pandemic where the world really stopped, You know, flights stopped, businesses stopped, everything about how we live changed. And I think that made me feel really much more radical about the need for equality for women, for people of colour to come much quicker. And I think I think companies now really need to. they really need to get a grip on this because I think there'll be a lot of people, hopefully young women like yourself included, who say, no, I'm not prepared to wait for equality. It, it has to happen now. I deserve it.
0: So talking about progress inequality, the world is changing quite a lot and quite quickly. But how well do you think, but what maybe do you think work for Women might look like, say, in 10 years' time? Or what do you hope it may look like? I think
1: I think I hope about work for people and it being much more related to kind of how we live and much more accessible for more people. So one of the things I think is often when we talk about women working, we don't it's if you, you actually do have children or whether you don't have children. Because lots of people in work think you will have children, even if you choose not to. As a woman. And I think one of the things that's most important is that what I hope in 10 years is that men care just as much about this topic as women do. I hope there's a, a boy who's doing a podcast like this in, um, in five years time and he cares just as much about where women are in the world of work as a girl would.
0: Of course. Now, throughout your career, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire?
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky. I've had lots of um, mentors, both men and women, but among um, the women that stand out, I think I've had um, Andrea Vidler, who was the CEO of my last business. She's been a mentor for me. And I think the good thing about my mentors is they've been mentors in different ways. So Andrea was a great mentor in speaking your mind and being direct and never, ever thinking less of yourself because you're a woman. That was really, really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, my current boss um, now, Matt Schechner, he's he's a man, but he's also a mentor in he's brilliant at relationships. He makes people feel so good. He reaches out to them. He stays in touch with them. So he's a great mentor for me in that way. And I had another great um, mentor, a woman called Jane Turner, who was my boss. And she was a completely different type of mentor from them. What she was really great at was helping me focus and do my job and not have to deal with lots of other stuff so i could be brilliant at what i did so i think the most important thing for me with the mentors i've had has been that people have a special skill that they can impart to you so you can learn a little about it
0: of course i guess um mentors all have different um attributes that they can of course share with you
1: exactly
0: So can you just tell me a little bit more about what you do as the global president of Advertising Week?
1: Yes. So one of my jobs is I look after all our thought leadership programmes. So every year we'll have around probably nearly 3000 speakers around the world um, talk at our different events. And this might be everybody from um, a Hollywood celebrity like. Gwyneth Paltrow or Serena Williams um, you know the greatest tennis player of all time right through to business people like entrepreneurs CEOs of companies the CMO of big companies like say McDonald's or Pepsi mm. and one of my jobs is to find what's the most interesting stuff happening in the world and business that those people need to come and talk about need to hear about need to understand so that's one part of my job. Another part of my job is I run our education business and our education business is all about trying to empower people who are already doing jobs. Because just when you when you start work, one of the things you discover is that nobody taught you lots of the jobs you will need to do in that particular um, role. And so one of the things we try to do is help people um, learn more skills when they're already in a job so that they can get their next job, get promoted, go to the next level. Um, so that's something else I run. And then I run lots of other things. I look after our global businesses our global business directors. We have those in um, Tokyo, in Sydney, in Latam. And I also look after our marketing. So lots of different jobs, all in one.
0: Yeah, you must be quite busy. <laughs> Yeah, I am. But for me, again, I think
1: at the start, I said the thing that really keeps me going is I'm super curious. I never, as long as I'm not bored and I'm always learning something, that's what really motivates me in a job.
0: Yeah. Well, the theme of our summit is I can do it. But is there anything that you thought you couldn't do that you have managed to do?
1: I think there's millions of things. But one of the things I know I often think about is public speaking. So I do a lot of public speaking in my job. The the other week I did, I think in one week, I did about 13 hours of presenting either live on stage or on podcasts or on video and um, video events. And that's something that I think it's hard to describe just how shy I am. So I'm super shy. When I was a kid, my mum used to say that I only ever like, looked out, peeked out from behind her legs. I never wanted to speak to anybody. And even now, all my best friends will be like, why don't you phone us more? And I'll, I'll still feel awkward and shy about even phoning people I love who I've known for 30 years. So I I feel like I'm naturally a really shy person. So one of the things I wouldn't have thought I could ever do when I was younger was public speaking. Hmm. But once I started learning how to do public speaking, I was really lucky that I learned there's certain tricks you can use to get yourself comfortable. And once I learned that this wasn't necessarily a natural skill you had to be blessed with and only certain people could do it, but actually there's tricks you can learn, I realized that it was something I could do. And then now, actually, it's something I really enjoy as part of my job. And I I never mind if people are, oh, could you give a talk and get up there? I'm like, yeah, why not? but I think that's something that didn't come naturally at all and I'm quite proud that I've learned to do.
0: Yeah so there's a lot of talk about work-life balance and people being encouraged to go back to the office at the moment. Do you think that it may be as time to go back to work or to the office or are you maybe more happy with the work from home culture?
1: I kind of think There isn't really go back to work as such, because I know that I was working from home during the pandemic and I was working so hard. Um, Mm. So I think I think it really depends on the company, the job, the role, the task and how somebody works best. So I sort of think there isn't really a right or wrong to this. And it's not that helpful necessarily to be binary about it. I think there's some things that are really much easier to do when you're face to face with people, when you can learn from other people. I think for some younger employees, being in the office where you can learn from someone, where you can just walk over, see what they're doing and learn from other people's jobs without just by being in the same room. That's really valuable. But then at the same time, I've spoken to lots of people who've actually found being in their home environment has helped them focus and make them much more productive. And they find the office environment quite stressful. So I think really one size doesn't fit all. And it's up to businesses and employees to find the best way to work for them.
0: Yeah, I guess loads of people have different strategies and ways of maybe focusing or uh, being able to work properly.
1: Exactly. And I like to mix and match. I'm in my office today because I like to come in. I like to talk to the people I work with. We laugh a lot. And then other times, when I want to do more focused work, when I want to do a presentation or write a script, I choose to be at home because it's much easier there.
0: Oh, you mentioned that you learned to do public speaking from being quite shy, but do you still have any personal or professional ambitions that you maybe want to fulfil in the future?
1: I think I don't have any set ambitions. I think I just always want to make sure that I keep learning and growing and doing something different. So I think Mm -hmm. I would feel really depressed if we were doing this podcast again in a year's time. And I wasn't telling you that I was doing a whole bunch of different things because that would make me feel like I hadn't learned anything. I don't have a set ambition. It's just keep learning, keep developing and keep challenging myself, really.
0: Right. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Ruth. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. More information about us and our summits can be found at www.reachnextgeneration.com. And a big thank you to all our partners and sponsors, Ideal Standard, Barclays, St Modwen, Green King and Levi Strauss.